Hey, I'm Shannon. And yes, I brought the marijuana into the house and I'm taking it with me when I go. And I'm Emma and I am absolutely Annabelle Bronstein. (laughs) Annabelle Bronstein is an iconic character to have never made an actual appearance on the show, but I want her to. (laughs) Random thought. And just like that season two, (laughs) Annabelle Bronstein and Samantha are best friends in London. That is 100% happening right now. Like, I I want to believe that Samantha is in London. She met Annabelle, and they're living their best lives. <laughs> 100%. I'm sorry I can't. Don't hate me. The motherfucker's concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore. I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you say something bitchy about someone we know. That's bullshit, there is none. So, Emma, if you wrote a memoir, what would your high school chapter be called? Mine would be called, Don't Worry, Your Teen Angst is Just Depression. <laughs> what would yours be called? Well, that sounds juicy. Tell me more about it. <laughs> Well, I was just a very angsty teen. I definitely had my like emo phase, or at Mm. least I wanted to be emo or punk, but my parents wouldn't let me basically. (laughs) And I just, I did it all. I had the angry journal. I had outbursts at school dances. Like I think the drama sort of followed me because I attracted it somehow, but I was just like a very angsty teen and um, for a really long time, <laughs> it took me like a long time to figure out what that was. Now, now we're getting a little personal, but that's okay. Um, I think it wasn't until I was like 26 or 27 where I was actually diagnosed with depression. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of, it was such a like relief. And it was a relief in the same way that when I found out I was celiac, <laughs> Is like, okay, now I know what's happening to me. Like now I know what's wrong and I can like work on fixing it. Mm -hmm. But I very much followed the prescription of like, you know, just do yoga and you'll feel better or like just sleep more, just eat healthier, just exercise. Like I literally did all those things. I went off birth control when I started dating my partner, like literally had done absolutely everything and that was when I went once I removed and added all those things and was still feeling the way that I was feeling. I was like, OK, this isn't <laughs> this isn't angst or this isn't because I didn't go to yoga today. Like this is an actual thing. And looking back on my high school experience, I realized that that was it as well. Mm. Um So (laughs) kind of more of a sad one, but I also think it's kind of funny because I was like the most cringy, emo, angsty person you can imagine. (laughs) Mm. That would have been like the perfect time for it. I feel like emo was very, very hot (laughs) when we were in high school. Did you know that apparently it's back? Like (laughs) I, I, I have a really good friend who works with youth and they love Evanescence and My Chemical Romance. Like, it's Shut back. the fuck up. Evanescence is back? Evanescence is back and cool and hot, hot, hot. Isn't that wild? I'm 
like color me shocked. I never, I never would think like I went to an Evanescence concert when I was in grade eight. Yeah. And wow. I was kind of scared, but <laughs> I was there. Wait, why scared? <laughs> I don't know. Like it was kind of like, it had just a mix of people. It had a mix of like junior high ish, like people like me and my friends. But then there was also a lot of people that were really into like more heavy music and they were, um, I don't know. It was just, it wasn't like going to like an Avril Lavigne or a Britney Spears <laughs> concert where I was very much with my peers. It was just like, um, yeah, it was a quite an eclectic group of people. And I was just like, oh, I've never, I've never been to, to a place like this <laughs> before. Well, but yeah, interesting. <laughs> well, you're one of the OG. The youth today would be jealous. <laughs> Oh. I saw Amy Lee. I was in the same room as her. <laughs> That's amazing. Build. Well, what about you? If you wrote a memoir, what would your high school chapter be called? So I think it would be called Samantha Rising Tales of a <laughs> Quote Unquote Bad Seed. And this actually, so when I was in high school, I had, I think it was an English teacher and she just was kind of always like a little spacey, like always <laughs> in a different room, even if she was teaching us. Um, and she would always call me Samantha for some reason. Like that was just my <laughs> name to her. Not even close. <laughs> I was just Samantha. She just, she never remembered my name. And I had her like back to back in, in grade 10 and grade 11. And once I had like a parent teacher, like interview meeting, whatever, and she was face to face with my mom and she called me Samantha. (laughs) She's like, Samantha's such a great student. Oh my goodness. Like, no, so much. My mom's like, Samantha. (laughs) 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 So, but also I think that relates to, um, I got obviously like really into sex in the city at the time. And Samantha was my favorite character and I wanted to like embody so many of her characteristics so badly. So I think I probably would have been like a Carrie Sun Samantha rising, <laughs> not in action, just in like intention. <laughs> and then tales of a bad seed. So this is interesting, or I don't know, it was a very formative experience. I think it was, um, it was one of my first, art classes and my teacher again was like a little bit spacey (laughs) uh always yeah doing doing saying some weird um but she was like instructing us and she just kind of like looked to the back of the class and barked at me you're such a bad seed you're such a bad seed and she would like like it was very very intentional so I I don't know what prompted that but um I was labeled a bad seed in grade 10 art (laughs) straight off the bat which is very wild I was not I was I don't think I was but I can't I can't even imagine that I mean of course I didn't know you in grade 10 but I mean now you're so studious and such an amazing student that I just can't even imagine a teacher calling you a bad seed it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, who are you looking at right now? <laughs> like, what other vision is in front of you? Because it, it wasn't me. I, I don't think I've ever been a bad seed. Even then, like, I'm, yeah, I'm just as studious as I was in high school as I am now. <laughs> That's wild. I, I can't even believe that. But clearly it stuck with you. 
It did. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. I didn't like going to art after that. <laughs> she also like lost one of my assignments and like tried to give me a bad grade. And I was like, no, <laughs> I bet she, I cannot. she was jealous. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe, I don't know. There was one time where she just kind of, she was like, class is happening outside today. And it was the last block of the day. And then we all were outside and we watched her get into her car and leave the school. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I think she had a lot going on. She, she maybe didn't want to teach. So, okay. <laughs> so not the teacher of the year. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh. lots of like weird mislabeling from high school for me. <laughs> but um, kind of on that note, we're going back to school, kind of, not really. I still have nightmares actually about going back to school and like missing math or English class or something. But today we're talking about two iconic episodes that kind of thematically deal with junior and senior high school experiences. So we're talking about Hot Child in the City, which is from season three, episode 15, and Boy Interrupted from season six, episode 10. And yeah, I just, I really like both of these episodes. Um, they're really fun. They're lighthearted. Um, and I think, you know, whether you had like a really good experience or a bad <laughs> experience in school or a little bit of both, maybe neither, um, junior and senior high are kind of like really formative they're just formative. They're formative experiences for maturing and growing up and figuring out who you are. Like, I really remember solidifying, figuring out, starting to figure out, I guess, like my expression of like self through clothing in high school, which is very, I just remember like hitting it and being like, yeah, like I can wear whatever the fuck I want. This is great. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. And we, we don't really get to see younger versions of these characters. So it's kind of fun in both of these episodes to, to almost kind of depart from, you know, their lives as adult women and get like a little glimpse into who they might've been as, as teenagers. Emma, what do you think about these episodes? Yeah. I mean, I do really like what you said about formative. Cause of course, these years are very formative for everybody, but we tend to like think on the, I mean, at least I tend to think on sort of the bad memories from high school. And what I do like about these episodes is that, like you said, they are very fun. They are lighthearted. They are full of jokes. And um, while some of the content may be a little more serious, like especially with the, um, the David Duchovny episode, is that that's Hot Child in the City, right? Oh, no, 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 no. That's Boy Interrupted, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, especially with that episode, it's like, yes, we are dealing with something on a more serious topic, but the tone is sort of more fun, for lack of a better word. Um, and I, I, I think it's important to remind ourselves, too, because like I said, I when I think of high school, I kind of think of the bad memories, but there are some things in there that were fun, and there were some things in there that made me who I am today. So, um it's kind of important to remember those as well. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Any, like, I remember all the slights from high school, evidently from my memoir chapter. <laughs> I remember like all of those things, but yeah, it's, it's important to, to reflect on the good stuff as well. Mm -hmm. 
let's talk, start with um, Hot Child in the City. And out of the two, and actually throughout the whole series, this is probably one of my favorite episodes just because it is, yeah, it's so it's so light. It's so fun. And it kind of comes off of um, Carrie and Big and that whole affair. And it just felt like such a, a breath of pot air. <laughs> <laughs> Of smelly skunk smelling air. <laughs> I have no doubt that the comic book guy that Carrie dates, like he probably reeked. Of, oh yeah. Yeah. He like, yeah. But anyway, a quick summary of that episode. So Carrie meets a cute comic book store owner who lives with his parents in an expensive Upper East Side apartment overlooking the Central Park. Um, she smokes weed, eats KFC, and scoots around Times Square. Uh, Samantha plans a bat mitzvah for her client Jenny Breyer, a young entitled 13-year-old with very with a very wealthy and connected father. Uh, Miranda gets braces and attempts to navigate that orthodontic nightmare as an adult. And Charlotte tries to jumpstart hers and Trey's sex life, suggesting hydraulic inserts, couple sex therapy, and then sen- ends up pasting images of her face on the bodies of the lovely women featured in Jugs magazine, Trey's masturbatory media of choice. <laughs> and I see in your notes you spelled Jugs, J-U-G-S. I do believe it was J-U-G-Z. <laughs> which is an important distinction in my opinion <laughs> that is a very important distinction <laughs> very early 2000s <laughs> that takes um, it from a regular vessel to to jokes <laughs> and another thing in your notes question mark cute question mark so do you think he's cute Oh, like, I think the bones are there. Like, I can maybe see, like, some cuteness, but I think it's obscured by a lot of other things. Like, namely, I don't know, I just, I don't, I don't love (laughs) he dresses. Looks like, I don't know, I don't like the hair, the earring. Yeah, Uh, I, you know, people can wear whatever they want, but I'm not a fan of earrings mm. and mask people. It's just, I just don't like it. And you do you. Um, but yeah, I don't find it hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he's, he's that cute. He's not, I mean, yeah, not a but, long-term boyfriend for, for Carrie. No. And that's, well, that's the thing is that she was coming off a long-term relationship and he's just, he was, his personality was cute. I'm a big, like, if they have the bones or the general (laughs) outline of cuteness, if you will, but then their personality is really sweet and funny and cute. I can totally see how Carrie was kind of wooed into that after coming off this like very serious relationship. And it's kind of cool that he was a comic book, like, you know, he ran the comic book store and everything because it's sort of this element of like, fantasy it's sort of like you know that this relationship isn't real or isn't going to work um but you can sit there and like enjoy it while you can or like enjoy it while you have it if that makes sense yeah that's so true it's very much yeah it's kind of a a light departure for the seriousness of her past couple of relationships yeah and just the whole fantasy and how he constructs like power lad and then he draws her as a very uh, enthralling 
comic book character as well. Like that's that's kind of sweet. And yeah, I can I can see being kind of swept up by those by those things. Although as somebody who has received a drawing of yourself from an admirer, how do you think that would actually feel? <laughs> Receiving yourself created as a comic character. I mean, he was clearly a professional, so I would I would accept that for sure. <laughs> fair, fair. It's it's the intention, right? It's it's the, it's the intention. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, uh, Carrie, I think Carrie's storyline in this uh, episode is really, it's just so fun, you know, and she kind of, she has this really funny scene with Samantha where she's saying that, oh, she discovered, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name now. It's escaping me. The comic book guy? Yeah. (laughs) That just makes me think of the Simpsons comic book guy, which is (laughs) absolutely not correct. But, um, oh my gosh, what is his name? I just remember Power Lad. That's all. Power. We're we're just gonna call him Power Lad. I yeah. I don't I don't remember what his name is. Um, yeah, she she's talking with Samantha in the restaurant and says that Power Lad lives with his parents. And there's some there's some discussion around that. And I wonder how that would would that be the same conversation today when more people, uh, presumably Power Lad's age, are still living at home with their parents. I think it's it's such a personal thing. I I think that I would definitely I like to think that I'd be really open about it, but I think that it would be a struggle for me to date someone who lived with their parents. Mm-hmm. And that's and again, that's not like that's not a judgment or anything like that. It's just that I am a very independent person and I feel like I mean, I have grown so much since middle school, high school, I moved out of my town like as soon as I could when I turned 18. And I think independence is just something that's so important to me that it would be hard for me to see past that. However, I have dated people that don't have a car, which, (laughs) and I know that you've also had this experience. (laughs) And I think that yeah, I think there's like different levels of independence. And I would I think living with their parents, again, I know that things are tough and there's reasons. And even, you know, in many cultures, like people live with their parents until they're 30 beyond, until they're married and move on. And, and that's okay. Like, who am I to say that that's not correct? But just from my own experience, I would have struggles with that. Mm-hmm. In terms of like a very intimate relationship, mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I think I I think I would agree, especially given where I'm at, like in in my life, like given I don't know, like ten years ago or something, like still being in university, that would have been a slightly different story, I think. But yeah, now I do really value independence. And that would be, I think it would be tough to to date someone who um, maybe didn't have like another plan, you know, to like, I, I would like, yeah, I think sacrificing a little bit of that independence would, would also be kind of tough for me. And it, it would be tough for me to, to, to live with my parents again. Like that would be, um, yeah, that would, that would just be a hard situation. <laughs> My parents would sooner pay my rent 
then have me move back in with them. Really? They are, and, and like, not in a mean way. Like, of course, I absolutely love them. But literally, <laughs> they, I just know that like three or four days visit, that's good for us. That's enough for us. I have a close relationship with them, but I don't need to like, I just know they love, they are the same. And of course, like we are products of our parents and I've grown up to be very independent. They're also very independent. They do not want me there. (laughs) So, So, yeah, I think it's, it's a different family dynamic that I'm just not used to. I saw a tweet once, this is actually quite a long time ago that said something like, as soon as you mentioned that you have a family group chat, I know we're not the same person. <laughs> and I was like, 100%. I do not have a family group chat. I don't know what that even is like. <laughs> same. Like, my parents are just very, like, they're not texters. They're not big, like, phone communicators in general. So, like, the most that I'll get from them is K. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do think there's, there's also something to be said about living like the dynamic of being in New York city, which is so expensive and Carrie really, Carrie really milks the, the upper East side apartment, top, top floor, like lots of air up there, lots of space. Um, So I also feel like, you know, different city might impact that because otherwise power lad would be living with, multiple roommates and there still would be that that question of independence right Mm -hmm. and yeah there's definitely something to be said if you're not living in the same place you grew up in then you're gonna have that extra element of independence than than otherwise so yeah yeah I think power lad could probably do with a family group chat that might that might improve the <laughs> in the calling calling Carrie's phone in the in the middle of intimate times. <laughs> yeah, maybe now it would work out even better if people had cell phones. Yeah, that moment where his mom calls Carrie's house phone when they're like about to do it. I think that would be that would be the moment for me. I would be like, okay. I don't know if I could see you, but she goes back. She goes back. She still wants that fun. She wants to smoke weed and eat KFC on the balcony. And I'm here for it. That was such a cute moment when she gets caught with the weed and, and takes it. I don't know. I just, I've always really loved that moment. And so, so cute. (laughs) And it's, it's perfect. Like it's just, it's the, it's, the opposite of a cringe Carrie moment. It's an awesome Carrie moment. This is when we see Carrie at her, this is peak Carrie. <laughs> yes. For and sure. is, yeah. And it's absolutely the appropriate reaction. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Let's talk, let's talk about Miranda. Cause she has a little bit, or she has a really relatable storyline for me in this episode. She, is that relatable for you did you have braces at a later age at a later age no I I think I got them in like grade five but I yeah I had braces for for a number of years I think I officially had them fully taken out in high school um and I had headgear I had like very heavy like headgear (laughs) that thankfully I didn't have to wear in public but um 
yeah, it was like a whole a whole thing for me. <laughs> lots of lots of lots of orthodontics and mm. concern that I had stuff stuck in my teeth and the whole the whole thing. When when um, Miranda's on that date and she like takes a bite of I don't know whatever she's eating and there's stuff in her teeth, it was just like you've been I got there. You. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Clearly, the qualities of someone who's a bad seed. <laughs> <laughs> With your yes. hair and your braces, I can just imagine you were a tyrant. <laughs> no kidding, it's up to no good. The militantly cleaning my teeth every night. <laughs> but yeah, I can imagine that would be really difficult for Miranda to, you know, Miranda is kind of the epitome of the independent woman, you know, mm-hmm. living in New York, and she doesn't really need a partner. She doesn't really need anything other than her job and her friends and to have to have that sort of symbol of like going back to a time that may have not been so pleasant or like may have not been so pleasant or when you were more dependent and just having that sort of reminder I think that would be really really hard trying to date with that and it's a very like physical thing that you can look like you can see and feel um, I can't imagine that would be easy. Also, when she's on that date and he, and the guy that she's on a date with says, oh, can you give a blowjob in that thing? And then he's like, it was just a joke. I was just like, oh, it was so invasive and creepy and weird. And I don't know. I It would be hard. I can't imagine. I'm not surprised that she would like get them off fairly quickly. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, nowadays she could just get like Invisalign or something, you know, like there's, there's probably less of a, that's probably less common, I would say now for adults who can opt for something that's a little bit less invasive, but the scene that really got, and I totally agreed, like the guy asking about the blowjob, like, dude, you were on a first date, like calm down, get through the first course and like, Maybe, maybe that can be a discussion <laughs> after. Um, the scene with Miranda, though, that uh, like it just it, it didn't get me for the braces, but just like the whole feeling of like being in a room and other people are talking about you or like you think other people are talking about you and they're whispering and um, just like the cringe moment of addressing it. And they're like, we weren't talking about you and like feeling so embarrassed and like hyper self-conscious. Uh, I've that that was very junior high high school me mm-hmm. I definitely felt that <laughs> oh my gosh yeah like just this sort of and I think I mean I have those moments even now where I'm like oh my gosh like what are my friends saying about me or like blah 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 but those are so it's so amplified like it's so highlighted when you're going through puberty and trying to figure yourself out and also being in school like what when I think back about just like being in junior high and being in high school and going every day, I've <laughs> been watching Euphoria as we've talked about. Um, and just like that experience is so kind of specific, but, mm-hmm. and having those like thoughts in those formative years can be so damaging. So yeah, I think that's totally a relatable moment with Miranda bringing back those like thoughts and fears. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I remember like being in grade nine and I think I had like a very, I'm really thankful and I was very lucky that I didn't have a really aggravated like acne problem, but I think I had a a zit like on my chin and I had to do like some kind of public speaking for, I don't know, some class, probably social. Um, And I remember just like, I was so self-conscious, like being at the front of the room and I was like, what is everybody like thinking about me? And I was like trying to like conceal my chin, but I was also trying to public speak. It was just, yeah, horrible mess. (laughs) You just, you just unlocked a weird self-conscious memory of mine where I was in gym class and we were doing like a sort of relay race where you had to like go and do different things and come back and whatever, you know, like a relay race. And one of (laughs) One of those things was blowing up a balloon, which is something I I could not do up until I I was in grade seven. I had never successfully blown up a balloon before. And in this relay race, I like the panic, the fear. I was like sweating because I was like, I can't let my team down. What are people going to think? I'm 11 years old and I I can't blow up a balloon. But we did it. And you know what? I successfully did it. It was like that panic and fear that drove me to the first time I was able to blow up a balloon. <laughs> you completely unlocked that memory. And, I, and I'm so happy I got to share it on this podcast with you all. <laughs> Blowing up a balloon is part of gym class? <laughs> I had some very odd, like, In gym class, we also had a unit called Outdoor Pursuits, where we just learned how to build a fire and we cooked food on it. It was really fun. That sounds handy, but yeah, blowing up a balloon is very specific. (laughs) It was like part of some sort of like obstacle. Like I think Mm. you also had to like do a bit on a climbing wall and you worked in a team. So you would like switch off. And that's, I think where the fear really came from was like, I can't let down my team, Mm. especially with something as embarrassing as not being able to blow up a balloon. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fair. I feel like, I feel like I could blow up a balloon, but tying it, like, absolutely not. I had to hand that off. (laughs) It was so complicated. You know, I think I did blow it up, and then it was just too much excitement for me that I think somebody else tied it. But (laughs) I would love my listeners to know that I can now successfully blow up and tie a balloon. So I turned out okay. (laughs) That's adulthood, baby. (laughs) can blow my balloon and tie it too. <laughs> put that on my LinkedIn. <laughs> if I'm ever single, I'll put that on. Oh, actually, no, that could be construed very dirty. So maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, okay, this might be TMI, but um, whatever. Um, <laughs> just going to say it. Uh, so in junior high, I got my period for the first time and it happened to be on a day that I had gym and we were doing the wrestling unit. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a co-ed gym class and we had this horrible exercise where we had to crawl across a mat and like there was two, like if you imagine kind of like a road, there were people crawling in one direction, people crawling like in the opposite direction and people crawling in the opposite direction from you had to try and flip you on the mat. Oh, so 
yeah, <laughs> I went up to my teacher and I was like, hi, I'm not feeling really well. Can I like maybe just like sit this this out? Because I just got my period and I was like kind of concerned. I didn't like want to. <laughs> I didn't want to be on the mat. I didn't want to be wearing shorts, like none of that. You didn't and want to be flipped upside down. <laughs> I did not. No. So like I told my teacher this and he was just like, mm. I think you could probably participate. It doesn't sound like, like he just totally like undermined how I was feeling. And like this man, like I didn't want to tell him like, yo, uncle Tom came to town. Like, can I, I need to set this one out. Like I didn't want to tell him that. So he made me still participate. And I was like, okay, well maybe if I like hustle like fast enough, like nobody's going to flip me or whatever. Um, no, <laughs> thankfully, like it was one of my good friends. So she was, you know, like, I'm happy that it was her and nobody else. But um, yeah, she like flipped me like right on the mat. And I was like, just lying there. Oh. <sighs> yeah, horrible. That's thankfully, surprising. nothing else happened that was embarrassing. But yeah, I will never forget being flipped <laughs> the first day of my my period. <laughs> the first day, but now we're getting into period stories. I mean, we are talking about <laughs> junior high, so that's appropriate. And it's actually kind of making me think that do they ever talk about their periods on the show? A couple of times, but usually it's related to pregnancy because we mm-hmm. we see Carrie in season one uh, really concerned that she doesn't get her period and then Charlotte too, like with her, her struggles in fertility there. Yeah. It's usually not just like getting your period though. Oh, well, I guess Samantha has the menopause thing. It's usually connected to other storylines, I guess is the point I'm making. (laughs) Yeah. It never like interferes with their lives in the same way that it does for so many, you know, especially when you're that age and you're kind of going through this every month and, And I am blessed in that my period is pretty mild and I do get pain, but I know that some people get incredible, incredible period pain. It's, it's like completely debilitating. Um, And that's just kind of never brought up. And you think with a group of, uh, you know, people that get their periods that that would be a topic of conversation, but it's it's just kind of funny. Like, I don't know how they could have worked that in naturally, but it's like these people can talk about sex and and have their diaphragms pulled out by their friend and all these things. But that topic of periods is still a little taboo. Mm. It's just kind of interesting. But side note, my first period completely aligns with the day I quit dance. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was in grade six. And, uh, which is actually pretty young. I was 11, I think. And I was probably going to quit anyways. I was in competitive dance, which is like one of those things you, that's your life. And I was also in piano. I felt like I was one of those kids that had all the extracurriculars. So like one had to go. Um, but the night I got my period, I told my mom, And I, of course, had dance class that night. It was the beginning of the school year. And I was like, I'm not going. And my mom is just like, yeah, of course. Like, I understand. And I was like, ever again. (laughs) I was just like, I I quit. And she's like, okay. And to be honest, it was the right decision. Thank you, period. Uh, It's just like those two memories are just like really solidified in my mind. (laughs) 
That's how you're an adult when you quit dance. It was just like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's, That's my transition. of age story. <laughs> dance ends, period. Be- next stage of life begins. <laughs> uh, when I tried to quit dance, I, I did not get my period, but um, I tried to quit dance and they had an award ceremony on the last day and I was telling my mom like mom I don't want to go to this like they never give me an award like there's a whole I that that could be another conversation but I just I didn't want to go to the ceremony and my mom was like no like you really should it's your last one you're not going to do dance after this like just finish it out like finish it out and I was like fine (laughs) so I go and they gave me an award for the love of dance so like a non-award is what you're saying (laughs) yeah like that's the kind of award that they like give people that yeah just are never and you know I was never like a a wonderful dancer like my mom was always the person that was probably kindest to me like I remember getting critiqued and judged and stuff and I was always kind of the the sore thumb that like stuck out in the group but um yeah (laughs) they gave me an award for love to dance and that's that's the kind of award that you give somebody just to yeah (laughs) <laughs> make them feel good hilarious I love that <laughs> I also it's funny like for somebody who is experiencing a lot of angst and general anxiety I kind of had a weird support superiority complex with dance like mm-hmm. I thought I was the best dancer ever and I have some like really I don't even want to repeat them but I have cringy things I've said to my dance friends like burned into my brain and they'll never leave that like I you know we all have those cringy things we've said but anyways I for some reason in dance I had this like superiority complex and it was not justified like I was not an amazing dancer I don't know why I thought I was um but I just thought that I was hot shit um (laughs) which kind of makes me think of Jenny Breer was that her name Breer or Breyer I think it's Briar. Briar. In this episode, she's like the young person from the other generation who's just like the hottest shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jenny Briar is such an interesting such an interesting character, especially for, you know, this group of women to to look at as adults (laughs) in their 30s, Samantha in in her 40s. And then, yeah, Jenny is kind of, you know, like the the next generation. And there's some really interesting moments of reflection, like on Jenny and how she she carries herself. Um, I think it's really interesting, like how jealous Samantha in particular is of Jenny. And, you know, you can kind of, there's some like, there's some jealousy that Jenny didn't seemingly have to work as hard as Samantha did to get to almost like the exact same place. And I think there's a line in the episode where um, it's Carrie or Samantha and they just comment like, oh, Jenny and her friends, they they dress and they act just like us. You know, they're acting as almost like miniature adults. And Samantha, we kind of learned through this episode, had to work pretty hard to get where she is. So I think there's some like jealousy that it seems like Jenny didn't have to. She was really wealthy. Daddy has lots of connections. Uh, just could could be the kind of person that Sam had to work so hard to become. 
It kind of makes me think on a milder note how we didn't have YouTube tutorials to teach us how to do makeup. And it's like, you see teenagers now stunning, like absolutely beautiful, perfect makeup. And I'm like, I didn't have anybody to show me how to do these things. I didn't have the internet. Like I taught myself how to code on Neopets when I was 11. I wasn't putting eyeliner on and contouring my face. It's just, it's, it is easy to look at a younger generation and be like, we didn't have what they have and like, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of be envious of that. So I can totally see how Samantha's feeling that way. Totally. And, you know, like even just sometimes having like a conversation with my mom or something, she'll say something like I remember being in university and my mom was like, you know, when I was in university, like I had to go to all of my professors individually and like ask to register in their classes because we didn't have, you know, online class schedules and like it wasn't that easy. And it's like it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird thing to think about. But at the same time, I really value, you know, I remember having like a childhood without a cell phone attached to me all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to like go out and ride my bike and not worry about, <laughs> not worry about that stuff. So yeah, it is, it is kind of interesting to think about, especially like getting older and <laughs> seeing, seeing younger people and like making, yeah, thinking about those kinds of things. YouTube would have been so fucking handy for when I was trying to <laughs> do makeup. Handy for sure, especially in terms of makeup, but I am actually not really envious and you kind of see this like the resolution of this episode is they realize that these young girls are experiencing things that are beyond their years and they don't have the maturity or the um, experience to really experience these things in a way that I might get lost for words, but they basically, you know, they're young. They, they're not the age of consent and they, you know, they're, they're kind of too young and they don't have the emotional maturity to to sort of deal with these things. And I think in the end, there's this sort of resolution where they're like, Oh, Samantha's like, I'm not envious. Like I had that childhood where I rode a bike and hung out with Mm -hmm. my friends and we didn't really think about that stuff. And, And, you know, I have fond memories of that. And it kind of makes me think, too, of like now when I look at, you know, a younger generation and and we didn't have TikTok and Instagram and and all those things. And I am so grateful for that, because if I expressed my cringy thoughts on the Internet and like I, you know, we we were starting, we were sort of on the cusp of these things, but not to the same degree that it is today. And I am incredibly grateful for that (laughs) i'm so grateful that all i had was nexopia and i could expunge that from (laughs) the internet for the most part oh my goodness (laughs) i completely agree (laughs) it is kind of interesting how like just reflecting on like i remember being i don't know like jenny Breyer's age and i remember looking up to like adult women like that you know just there's something about that's what you're supposed to idolize like that's what you're supposed to aspire to um is this vision of adulthood there isn't so much like relish being a kid kind of thing it's it's just kind of interesting how yeah there's I think there's a lot of media and like cultural pressure to 
for people going through puberty to look at what it like being an adult and kind of move towards that while forgetting where you are in the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's especially prevalent among young women. It's like, you know, like act like an adult, act independent, act sexual, don't act sexual, like be also be a virgin. Like, you know, there's a lot of confusing and mixed messaging when you're that age. And um, I think you kind of see that get muddled with, um, oh my gosh, Jenny Breyer. <laughs> I was thinking of the actress's name, which is, um, what is her name? <laughs> <laughs> Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings. I was thinking, because I used to be in love with Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Like, I just thought that movie was like peak art <laughs> alongside Garden State. But um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to see them sort of interact and clash with each other, these two generations, but then sort of. I mean, we don't see that resolution from Jenny Breyer's side, but we do see that resolution with Samantha. Like by the end of it, she's like, okay, I'm happy with my experiences and I'm content um, with who I am and what I've reached in age, basically. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is that we would love to see Jenny Breyer come back for and just like that. I want to know I, where he is. <laughs> I, yeah, I would absolutely love that, actually. I do quite like Kat Dennings, too. So I think she would be a really cool cameo. That would be an amazing cameo. Obviously, Michael where... Patrick King is listening to this and is taking notes. So Clearly. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's what I like to tell myself anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Charlotte because Charlotte um, has a very interesting, she has a really interesting story arc kind of, I, I would say throughout season three and season four, just struggling with Trey and his erectile dysfunction. Um, and I think they're like, I was thinking about this episode and was like, well, is that how like, I don't know, how does this really relate to the theme? And I think there is actually a lot of like really subtle tension between Trey and Charlotte, especially as they, you know, try to grapple with transitioning from being singles and then moving into a more adult uh, married couple life. And I really noticed that tension when Trey, you know, is furiously <laughs> masturbating to jugs, but then at the same time, he tells Charlotte like, well, that it's ludicrous for me to to get uh, a hydraulic you know penile insert because I'm a respected surgeon or I can't participate in your sexual fantasies because I'm a respected surgeon so there's kind of like that yeah like I'm an adult but also you know there's still some like interesting juvenile behavior happening in in their sex life well not only that I mean Trey completely acts like a child in his relationship with his own mother like he is very much babied and, you know, treated like an 11 or 12 year old. Like he's very much treated like someone in junior high. Um, so to make that comparison and to have this storyline in this episode as well is definitely intentional. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's talk about 
boy interrupted. So just in summary, what happens in this episode, Carrie redates her high school boyfriend an extremely bland and monotone <laughs> David Duchovny, who might just be David Duchovny. <laughs> I have yet to see evidence that he is any other character but David Duchovny <laughs> in anything that he does. <laughs> you need to watch Twin Peaks. Is he in Twin Peaks? He is in Twin Peaks. And he plays a transgender uh, FBI agent. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Which interesting. is not wonderful that a heterosis man is playing a transgender character. However, um, the way that they deal with it in Twin Peaks is really awesome. And like, really, mm -hmm. they're really like supportive of her. And it's, it's actually really cool. But I haven't actually seen David Duchovny in anything other than Carrie's high school boyfriend and Denise, the FBI agent. <laughs> so I've seen quite a wide range of him, but I never watched X-Files or anything like that. Yeah, I have only seen like, I haven't watched X-Files in full. I've seen clips, um, but I watched, this is probably a terrible example but i watched the chair on netflix and he literally plays himself <laughs> <He> is, <laughs> like that is his character is david duchovny i don't know I, I just don't think i'm maybe maybe i'm biased i'm i'm not a david duchovny stan hey that's fair i mean his character in this episode is also incredibly bland so this is the experience we have with him <laughs> yes yeah very very bland um, but Carrie questions if she made the right choice dumping him in high school. We also get a very Stanford heavy episode here. So Stanford is on the decorations committee for queer prom, but he discovers via gossip that his boyfriend Marcus was formerly a male escort named Paul, as leaked by Anthony. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, for some who had just lots of back issues of honcho, um, Samantha pretends to be Annabelle Bronstein to get into the Soho house pool. And Miranda starts kind of flirting, kind of dating Dr. Robert Leeds. And he invites her to the big game and she gets jealous of a cheerleader. And, and Charlotte's just kind of supporting everybody and being a former prom queen and cheerleader. <laughs> she doesn't really have much of a storyline in this episode. Sometimes you just need to sit on the back burner a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> It on ice. I love this episode. Like the queer prom, especially, is just such a nice. It's so nice to have a Stanford heavy episode. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, Stanford really his storyline is is pretty prominent in this, and that's so. I think that's so rare, honestly. Throughout the throughout the series, it's very. Yeah, he's always kind of like a supporting character, so it's nice for him to get to get some more spotlight, some narrative spotlight. Mm -hmm. And the queer prom too, like they got a really significant New York drag queen to to host. That was that was pretty cool. So they I think they got Jackie Beat to be the host of Queer Prom, which sounds pretty lit to me. I would love to go to that prom. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be the best. But then to have Carrie win the prom queen. Furious. This is outrageous. It's incorrect. How how dare? <laughs> how dare indeed truly like a queer prom for carrie for carrie the biphobic <laughs> carrie <laughs> to be named queer prom queen 
No, that's not it. Outrageous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Carrie kind of questions, like, did did we have it right in high school? Um, Which, I don't know, I think on first glance, that's kind of a weird... This seems like a very wild question to ask because no, I was a child in high school. I didn't, I had very little correct <laughs> about anything. Um, so it's, yeah, kind of weird. I don't know. We kind of talked about this off uh, the pod about who we would redate from high school. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody, I don't think I would redate anyone from high school. What about you? Well, I did. I went on a date oh, yes. with yes, yes, um, <laughs> and it was a fine date. I think I was just at a point where I wasn't, I wasn't ready to to date. But it was kind of like a surreal moment. I was just like, I had such a huge crush on you, like now in high school, and now I get to go on a date with you. And yeah, it it. I mean, it didn't go anywhere, and it was a it was a pleasant evening and stuff, but. Um, it was very strange. It was like, is this going to shatter like everything that I ever thought about this person? Uh, how am I going to think of them differently? And they're just a really good person. So, <laughs> yeah. and there's, I think that of course, like you would be feeling a lot of buildup to something like that because when we think of high school and middle school, like I was talking about earlier, it's like when I think of high school and middle school, I think of a lot of bad memories specifically but there's also like that sort of like good and fun and and I I think there is a sort of like casualness to dating that can be really fun it's like you I've been I mean I've been single for like years at a time and you still have those moments where you date somebody you kind of know it's not going to go anywhere um, but you can have fun just like with power lad or, <laughs> you know, it's like, you can have those moments. And I think that, um, w- like in asking that question, it's sort of like revisiting, like, well, maybe there is some fun to be had from this like high school experience, or maybe like we can return to it in that sort of like light way. Um, but to ask if we had it right like you said, we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. So I don't think that personally, I don't think that I could seriously consider a relationship with somebody who was part of my life at such a confusing as fuck time. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like the only relationship that I kind of started to like figure out and even then tis a journey, a lifelong journey was the relationship with myself. And that was something I was very aware of in high school, but it's like maybe the only, the only thing (laughs) I do not think I had anything else, right. Unless it was on a test and I studied really hard for it. (laughs) Yeah. You bad seed you. (laughs) Yeah. It's so bad. (laughs) Staying in all weekend, studying, writing papers, terrible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there are a lot of fun parts of this episode, but I also like watching it back again, especially, you know, like many years later, like there is some weird stigma happening with sex work and uh, the treatment of Marcus and also just like what happened to Marcus after this? Like, it's kind of not, it's not very clear if they, if they did break up because there's kind of that rekindling at queer prom that happens between Stanford and Marcus um that yeah there's like a lot of 
of weird vibes around around discovering his past. And then, I mean, the the big part of this episode is that Carrie is dating her former high school boyfriend who is uh, struggling with mental illness and is in a a full facility to to help him deal with that. And there's some there's some yeah there's lots of stigma <laughs> against there, that. Yeah, and we see, and I notice it more and more upon every we rewatch, like especially that. I mean, language is so important, of course, and we see all those like negative sort of comments towards sex workers in general and towards, you know, I mean, I guess they're kind of two different topics, but starting with like Stanford and Marcus, like it's just, it's the language, it's the way in which it's dealt with. It's like, it's almost not even a question. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, Anthony's, well, tells the truth. It is a, it is a rumor, it's gossip, but tells the truth about Marcus's past. And instead of, you know, Stanford, like talking to him about it or, or having a sort of like adult conversation about it, he's just kind of is like, oh, it's, it's a deal breaker. It's almost like it's an automatic deal breaker, which Mm -hmm. I don't think, I just don't think makes a lot of sense. No, especially because like, I believe that they were talking about a time you know, at the time of this airing, just roughly like 2000-ish, like they're talking about a time that was almost eight years earlier. I think they were talking about like 1992 that this issue was from. So yeah, it sounds like something that is very firmly in Marcus's past. And just like that whole, I mean, the whole part of that is this the gossip aspect, which I think is very, very high school level Mm -hmm. behavior and especially like you know anthony finding that out it's just like well is that something that you need to share with everyone like well it's not his place to share that information and he's totally a high school bully about it mm -hmm. he 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 takes this and uses it against stanford because of whatever reason he doesn't like him from the past and just like uses it as a weapon and it's it's really you know, it's it's not a great Anthony moment. No, and it, it's truly wild to see this episode and then think like, in what universe would they pair both of these characters together and say, yeah, get married. <laughs> You're a perfect match. Like, if I was Stanford, I would have a like really hard time getting over how Anthony treated me. Like, it's so horrible. Mm-hmm. Even just like that moment where like Stanford runs into Charlotte and Anthony and Anthony's like, you didn't go to prom because you were gay. Like the way that he's saying it is so, yeah, it's so cruel. It's very, very mean. It's very cruel. And it makes me think of that moment and and just like that where Stanford says he confronts Charlotte, that moment that we love so much. And she's like, you've been talking to your therapist about me. And it's like, of course, because of shit like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I could see it's, it's again, that sort of like high school, like bullying, that formative experience that makes you who you are, which I think one of the most unbelievable relationships in this series is of course, Stanford and Anthony. Um mm-hmm. And just, this is a really good point to reference for that. <laughs> hmm hmm Yeah, just so, so bananas. And then also Anthony, like, 
you know, jokes on you. Queer prom sounds fucking awesome. And I would love to be on that decorations committee. If they had the budge to get Jackie beat in there, like who knows how hog wild they could go with <laughs> the decorations. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> yeah. One of my, one of my queer friends wasn't actually allowed to take his boyfriend at the time to his graduation. Um, so I hope that things have changed now for, you know, all schools, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a time. I, I do like the inclusion of the queer prom because I think it's a, it's a really cool event. And obviously there's a lot of excitement and things surrounding it. Um, but like some weird homophobia in this episode that has a queer prom storyline. Like, for example, what you mentioned with Anthony, like, oh, because you're gay. It's like, what? It's just, it's, it's mixed messaging. It's confusing and it's hurtful. Just like high school. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, like if you, if you weren't, if you weren't allowed to go to your prom, like having a queer prom as an adult would be like a really formative, like wonderful experience to, to have happen. And it does kind of feel like that experience for Stanford and his excitement about it is really taken away from, you know, all the gossip and, yeah, just like unearthing this piece of Marcus's past that he clearly didn't want to share, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is just sad because, yeah, otherwise that, that should be a lovely time for somebody to experience, mm-hmm. for anyone to experience. Um, yeah, and then we have Carrie and David Duchovny. I, I also don't remember his character's name. He's just <laughs> David Duchovny. <laughs> Always David Duchovny. <laughs> So I think the the reason why she broke up with him is kind of interesting. She broke up with him because she thought she could do better. You know, she was like, this is high school. There's got to be somebody better that comes along. Interesting. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Oh, I don't. <laughs> is, is that what she said to him? She didn't say that to him, but I think she said it to the the girls at like brunch or something. They're like, well, why did you ever like break up with him? She's like, I thought someone else was going to come along. You know, it was high school. So she kind of was thinking mm-hmm. like, I have my whole life. There's got to be someone else. <laughs> so, yeah. So what I think, like, I think this is a cover up bullshit excuse. I think Carrie, I mean, as we've seen, has an incredibly poor attitude to therapy and mental health issues in general. And I think Carrie didn't think that either she had, (laughs) I think a mature response would be like, I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with this. But Mm -hmm. I think more in Carrie's brain is like, I don't want to deal with this. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Everything about him in Carrie's eyes, from what I remember in that episode, was great. And she had fun with him. You know, he was nice to her. Like, he was incredibly functioning and and incredible. But she, I think that it, to me, it seemed a little bit like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this, like, uh, you know, with your issues, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, she's probably, I mean, he's probably too good for her anyways. I'll say it. <laughs> but I don't know. He was he was David Duchovny, so I mean <laughs> <laughs> that's it's interesting. It's yeah, it's I got like a very 
it was a very self-serving storyline from her. And the thing that is kind of confusing, I guess, about Carrie in these later seasons is like, what are you looking for? Because you you don't like marriage is not really a thing that she's as, you know, targeted towards. Like, I want to get married. I want to have like that kind of settled life. So what? Yeah. Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for someone to have fun with? Are you looking? I think at one point she says, like, I'm looking for like an all consuming, you know, romantic love. Mm -hmm. So. Do you do you think that that's going to happen with with this person? Like, you do you think that that's like what you had in high school? Um, it's just, yeah, like the the pursuit of this relationship is kind of is kind of weird because it's like, well, what? Yeah, like, what do you, do you want? Like a long term relationship out of this person that maybe isn't in a place to be able to like give that to you? Like, <sighs> it. You're right. It is very much a what do you want situation. And I don't think she knows, which is which is okay. But I don't think she likes to admit it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like Charlotte, I think at one point tells Carrie, like, you're going to marry him. And Carrie's like, what? No. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, But yeah, like, I mean, it's fine to like reconnect with people from high school and especially for like a an ex that you're probably, it sounds like they were on friendly terms like beforehand. Um, that's like totally fine. But I don't hear a lot of Carrie actually paying attention to and understanding mm-hmm. where he is at in this current mm-hmm. moment in his life. Cause the more that he reveals, like I just went through a major divorce, like and he went through a big career shakeup as well. And he's staying in a long-term facility um, his doctor recommends like being there for multiple months. Like if you're actually listening to that, it's just like, oh, maybe <laughs> like, is this a good time to, <laughs> to, to be starting up a relationship again? And that isn't to say like, you know, you can't again, be on friendly terms or like have some sort of like connection correspondence. Like that's great. But I think for what Carrie, for all of the hints that we get about what she's looking for, that all consuming passionate, like love, like perhaps this isn't the right time to, <laughs> to explore that with with this person maybe this person doesn't need that right now david duchovny, david duchovny. <laughs> but it is funny to sort of like you know look back at your high school boyfriend like that's uh, it's supposed to i remember my mom always telling me like because i had a long-term partner in high school and she would always and like we would sometimes fight or whatever which I think is normal as part of any relationship and my mom would (laughs) she would always be like why do you guys have so many I I don't know okay my mom does not sound like that I don't know why I did that voice but my mom would always just be like why do you have so many problems like you're in high school like but like we were in a relationship and you have problems with your friendships you have problems in your relationships you have problems in your family like that's part of having people in your life and but it is sort of this, like, you're 16. Why do you have problems? And I wonder if that's sort of like Carrie's mentality with David Duchovny. It's just like, you know, we were happy once and we had this, like, fun fling in high school. Like, maybe it could happen again. But once mm-hmm. the reality sets in and once it's like, okay, we are adults, we have baggage, we have problems and whatever, then Carrie's like, oh, well, that fantasy has been blown up for me. I don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some kind of like nostalgia for 
what was and could that happen again could magic strike twice and Mm -hmm. i mean probably not you're (laughs) what more than 10 years removed from the very insular situation that is high school (laughs) yeah probably not but it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about for sure and actually like your your point about like having problems like this didn't happen to me in high school but i was I was trying to date somebody from Tinder. I was trying to organize a second date and uh, they just were being kind of like evasive and stuff. And I was talking with my friend and they were, they just like looked at me and they're like, why does it have to be hard right off the bat? Like if this person is that hard to get a hold of and to like arrange something like, you know, it, you just met them. Like it, it shouldn't be this hard. And it was just like such a like core shaking moment. I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah, maybe that is something to pay attention to. Like how hard is this right off the bat? You know, like when, yeah, when you're first meeting somebody, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's absolutely true. I definitely have had those experiences as, as well, where I'm like, Oh, we clicked and blah, blah, blah. Like, when are they going to text me? And like, you know, you sort of have this, like these fearful moments, but I mean, being with my partner now, like when we first started dating, we talked all the time. Like we always wanted to hang out with each other. And I think it is something that like, yes, as I said, and as we all know, you have problems, relationships have problems, but in the beginning, it, it just, it shouldn't be that hard. It's true. It's really good advice. It's, it's very like 2022. He's just not that into you. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> That's going to be my book is it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> it shouldn't be so hard. At all the bat. <laughs> we'll retitle the, the chapter of your memoir. Yeah, yeah, that'll be the chapter after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't, shouldn't be so hard. <laughs> we went to high school, we went to junior high, we can relate to to these kinds of stories <laughs> or to elements of them and probably more so to some of the feelings that they they spark and you know in a lot of ways I think Carrie kind of addresses this in in Hot Child in the City she talks about like are we 34 going on 13 or are we maturing into to adults and I just think that there's always like those little pieces of our 13 and 17 year old selves that we carry you know even we carry <laughs> even into adulthood and they're they're always kind of there right like those those memories and and things of, of who we were as kids. Um, but yeah, I think we, we always kind of have some element of that. We're always carrying around those, those youthful parts, except for adult versions, because those can firmly stay in the past. I do not want to relive that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I am so grateful that I never had to have braces. <laughs> yes, definitely a blessing. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you feel so inclined, DM us a post-it note. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Don't Hate Us Pod. And we will talk to everyone next time. <laughs> Listen to us next time. <laughs>